welcome to the latest installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by an exciting panel of tech leaders to discuss another interesting topic, DevOps and quality assurance. Now before we delve deeper into the topic, let's just work our way around the room and give some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also your interests outside of the workplace. Paulina, would you like to kick us off? Sure, I can take it from here. Uh, I'm originally Polish, living for 10 years in Denmark with engineering education. I'm for the last six years in IT and consulting, focusing on DevOps infrastructure and cloud engineering. Across, I have experience across around 10 customers and companies within enterprise startup public sector. Uh, currently, I'm freelancing in one of the biggest Danish public sector projects. Um, in my free time, I do competitive triathlon travel and then uh, some salsa. No saying <laughs> I think that's a good way to move on to yourself, Diogo. Take it away. Ah, uh, Dennis. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm Diogo. I'm a software engineer. I've worked in uh, different countries and different companies. And currently, I'm in Oxford with the research center that Novo Nordisk has built here in university five years ago. And uh, we are trying to find the replacement to our best-selling molecule. And uh, I'm here to help um, build the infrastructure for, for that very same purpose. Thank you. Excellent. Christian, do you have anything to add? Well, the first thing I can say is that I'm, you know, I am Christian. Uh, I'm 29 years old. I am currently working with a company called Credito, where we try to combat any, uh, well, where we are trying to combat uh, money laundering. And I am in the DevOps and integration lead role uh, for both teams. And I am currently managing a team of three, myself included. So it's not the biggest team in in, in the world. Um. Yeah, and I am a software developer by education that got into the dev, uh, DevOps role uh, at this company. And what I do in my spare time is usually just gaming and riding my motorbike around when it's nice and warm outside, which it currently isn't, but that's something for another day. Interesting stuff. It's good to see you've got a mo- motorbike amongst us as well. Emil? Sure. Uh, yeah, my, that's, my name is Emil. I'm uh, 31 years old. I have been working. Uh, um, my current job is uh, I'm head of uh, cloud delivery and operations. Uh, and I've been working with, uh, with cloud technologies for the last 10 years, mainly Microsoft-focused technologies, so Azure and uh, what's currently known as Azure DevOps and, and all that. So, And we've been helping you know, my entire life as a professional life, working with the, a variety of different um, yeah, enterprise customers building yeah, develop processes and cloud infrastructure. So, yeah. And in most of the time, I build, yeah, do weird things. So I have a, actually a small Kubernetes cluster running next uh, next to me at the moment. And, yeah, stuff like that. So, so yeah, so when I get away from the family, so I hide out in my, my office and, and do stuff like that. So, so yeah, hopefully they, they don't find me tonight. <laughs> nice, Emil. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. 
There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So now we've established a bit of a context surrounding all of you guys, I guess we should move on to the topic we have in focus. You've all got a question or a statement surrounding DevOps and quality assurance. So as usual, we'll work our way around the room, asking each of you to pose your question or statement and give some reasoning behind it. Each of you will have an opportunity to, to give your take on, on the situation. Um, but let's start with Emil. Would you like to run us through your question and give some context behind it? Sure. Yeah. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm, I work as a, as a cloud and DevOps, uh, DevOps consultant. And we do, you know, we, uh, we are, when we're visiting customers, we see a lot of different different implementations of, of how they work with DevOps, so DevOps and, and QA processes. So I was just a bit of interested how you you guys are actually doing it and, and in, in practice and, and what tools you're using and stuff like that and, and how it, it works with uh, for you guys in, in the everyday. So for us, it's very important that you have the, the core uh, soft engineering principles that, um, that have been in the team uh, works with them because it's going to impact the quality of the solution. So, uh, and apologies for the sound next to me. Uh, do you guys are familiar with GitOps? Yeah, yeah. so I have my, my Kubernetes cluster is actually deployed using some GitOps just to, to, to make sure that it is, it, it runs, uh, kind of, uh, stable. It uh, runs on my home automation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, so yeah, my my wife is is always happy when I'm tinkering with that thing and saying, oh, the light doesn't work. But yeah, definitely the GitOps pro- GitOps process is, is nice. You can do so much with with, with all the code and and to to make sure the the infrastructure is deployed correctly and all that. So yeah, nice, nice. Do you have do you guys have something you know the QR the QA process? How do you tie that yes. into? Do you have some reviews, uh, reports, yeah, yeah. processes, and, yeah. and all that yeah. in, in place? And yeah. yeah, exactly. So we have. Um... So from from main branch to test and validation, we sometimes we have some things in between. Then we have a, a collaboration branch, and then from there we have the feature branches, and then you can branch uh, fr- from these ones. Uh, and the, the the flow is always you contribute from your own uh, branches into the feature branch, and then you contribute with the feature branch into the collaboration branch. You run linting and unit tests and behavioral tests uh, locally in your own branch. Uh, you run them again on the feature branch, you run them yet again on the on the collaboration branch, and then it can be deployed to to development environment, which we so the um, the the dev test the collaboration test maps to development environment, the test and and validation uh, branches map yet again to two different environments, and the main one maps to production. And uh, typically the <laughs> sorry mate, uh, almost done typically the unit tests and the behavioral tests they um they don't require they don't require any uh, manual intervention but uh, in pharma in in healthcare we always have a thing called uh, gxp which is um basically trying to mimic the uh, practices you have in a in a lab to practices that, that you have in code or practices that you have in software and all your applications and uh, those validations they need to happen as if you are back in the stone age so you, you need to have somebody taking print screens with the date and the time and who they are, uh, running software and uh, painstakingly answering questions. And they actually click 
we use a code pipeline for this. So they actually click on the pipeline oh, cool. and that will trigger the deployment to a validation environment or test environment, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty pretty cool. So, so we have actually the, the, the you know the real thing. You know, a lot of times you see people aiming for oh, this is the end goal, but but you actually managed to do it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We we have to. It's it's a GXP um, yeah, yeah. app. I think so it's also it maybe requirements per field. You know, you have probably you know in some environments you're gonna need to like support different versions of the code because they need to support different hardware versions. And so yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, then you have be stricter so it's some stuff i think can be general some stuff can be more like field specific like but i think generally we should shift fail as soon as possible and uh, as less human inter integration as possible so like run automated tests uh, on uh, pr before you even merge a code before you're gonna include someone else to review your pr uh, yeah code promotion and so on so that's what I see across the like, customers at least. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That's the kind of like the same thing. So, so what we usually when we solve a question, uh, I'll yeah. But what we usually do is uh, is yeah, we build the uh, usually this, we build stuff in Azure DevOps, but it's not exclusively to 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 those. But yeah, we have that again uh, as as Jacob said, that's the entire pipeline, uh, and then we have the QA test the Q yeah the testers or and the the QA people involved and they have the, the different gates so they have to sign off on, on different builds and all that to, to make sure that those are rolled out in a specific way and, and some of the customs are actually doing behavior driven development just like you said Diego uh, and and I think it's, it's, it's so cool for when it when all that works and and, and you see the entire process um, and have the everything validated and then you have you have the confidence to just put put stuff in is okay. Yeah, we can we can put uh, deploy to production whenever we want to because we, we trust uh, the entire pipeline up to reaching to production. So we are sure that that uh, that everything works as intended. So yeah. Brilliant. And I think you wanted to to add something on that, Diogo. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. As you both guys are saying, BDD like it's fantastic because you you offer um, a high level language to the end users. And you give them the possibility to sort of learn learn your domain domain uh, language and write the, those tests yourself. Of course, you always need to convert them to code, right? But uh, that helps a lot. Berlin, you were saying that we should have as very few uh, manual interventions as we can, and BDD at least it, it has shown to help a lot in that direction. Good stuff. And Christian, I can see your hand up there. Did you want to add something on that? Yeah, uh, it's actually very funny to me to hear how you guys are doing it because it's a very direct contrast to how it is with us right now because we have a lot of manual uh, intervention in, in between all of the steps. Um, I am currently trying to work us into uh, towards a more automated way of doing things, but we do have some issues with introducing that. Uh, first of all, we, we are a fairly new company and there hasn't been that many... Well, first of all, there hasn't been any de dedicated DevOps before I joined, which means that I am building all of the tools, all of the processes that we are going to use right now as, as we speak. And uh, changing people's minds and from how things have been done in the past and it's worse. So, I mean, might as well just continue. Uh, it, it seems to be a bit tougher than I thought it would be. And at the same time still have to do all of the manual work while also trying to build the automated tools. It, it definitely poses some some issues. Um, but yeah, I think that was what I wanted to add. Nice. 
Paulina? I think adding to what you said, Christian, I think it takes time to get mature enough to get everything automated. But the sooner you start building processes, the easier it's going to be built up on top of it. So I hope it's going to be a successful journey for you. Well, thank you. And I, I, I definitely hope it will. And I think it will be eventually. Um, but this also means that, so, so you mentioned uh, that you do run a lot of automated tests. We currently have the issue of not having any tests written, which means that all of our verification of the code has to be done manually, and that is usually on the uh, in 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 the hands of the QA, which is very labor intensive. It takes a long time to verify all of the little things because we all know when you change something, something else breaks somewhere else, and if that is not automated, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of hours. Exactly. Yeah, Christian. So, so just to be curious, what what tools are you looking into? Just, just so, so when it's it's always fun to when people just starting uh, starting all on this you know journey, whatever you want to call it. So, what what are you looking into? If you can if you can say so, that's sometimes it's it's a secret within in companies. But I'm just curious. Oh, um, actually, it is a bit of me building it myself um, because we do have some like like we use ClickUp, we use GitLab, and such. And those yeah. do have some integration with each other, but not to the extent of having things being done in a ClickUp where it says, oh, it goes to QA, and then have that trigger a pipeline that will then deploy that to a QA environment. So I'm building the link in between those. Uh, that's oh, one of the things I'm doing. Um, and more things in regards of all of our development environments and other staging environments as well, where everything will happen, or happen automated. In some way, I don't have any tools that can do that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were that. Uh, I wanted to ask what uh, tools are you using for infrastructure testing? Uh, for what, sorry? For infrastructure testing. Are you running Terraform, TerraTests, or...? None. <laughs> yeah. That's a brave man. Like, Christian, uh, when, when you were saying that you need to do this, um, like your applications have no tasks, and uh, Emil, when you were saying that, uh, I'm surprised that you guys, you guys have all of that set up. Uh, I think it's our responsibility because uh, our our hiring managers, they know nothing about uh, tech. So it, we need to take it upon ourselves to, to push for that agenda. And uh, finally... Like when I joined Oxford, my manager is just with me on this one, or at least he just trusts me on this one. So all of our hiring processes, we just take DevOps and we, we just, we had such a high bar for coming in. So all of these uh, good industry things for us are not like um, a goal. They are the minimum requirement to start writing code. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think we need to push for these things because organizations or sometimes even tech companies, because I, I, I never worked in a tech company, but I, I've been asking. And sometimes even then, they, they don't have yeah. this thing. So I think we need to take it on our shoulders and, and push for it. Yeah, that's going to require for people a certain level or like, for example, testing or beforehand or certain processes. People don't want to do it because it's just easy to be in a certain ways, even if yeah. they're not. No, but it can't, it can't be a loss. What, what we did was... It's very difficult to enforce things on developers because we are nat naturally creative. So we don't really like all, all those guardrails. We're only going to adopt something if it proves to have any value. So 
what we did was including on definition of done um, that you, you always have uh, doc strings, you always have like tests for this and that. So everyone knows that no pull request is going to get accepted, not unless they have done some, added some tests and some documentation and everything builds and everything looks good. So it, it definitely like it increases the the learning curve to be able to make a, a pull request, but it's worthwhile in the end. But how big team do you have? Uh, we're going to be up to um, 20 people in two geographies. Geography. It's going to be in London and in Oxford. That's, I think it's easier to, you know, to get it if you're getting started to, at certain levels. If you're coming to the organization which already has tech depth or certain ways of working, it's harder yeah. to push and make a change there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Emil, let me just say something. I know, I know you sure. put your hand, uh, Pauline, for sure. Uh, that there's an app that I was just having the architecture review of that app today. It has been uh, living for one year and a half now. And uh, I just sat down <laughs> with the developer and we were having the architecture review just before. So we're going to redesign the whole thing. We're going to refactor the whole, the whole thing. And there is really no business value in it that managers can see. But uh, I mean, I suppose everyone here or, or some of us are in the lead position. So we must take responsibility for that and say, I know we need to deliver some business value, but we need half a year or we need two months to do this. Or thanks to Agile, we, need, we say we need some time. We're going to deliver something every two weeks. So, Polina, yeah, I agree with you, but we can do. We, we can still tackle it. I, I, I agree. It's just I think if you're coming to a big enterprise organization, sometimes it takes years to get out of tech depth before stuff can actually get changed or when you can push walls to get stuff changed. But I agree, like we should be on top of it. Yeah, but it's it's so or it's it's so cool when 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 finally you, you you see when the developer see you know what the benefits of all this all the developer processes are and when the manager see oh we actually get get something out of, of all this so uh, yeah I have a few times been out to to different companies and seeing okay so so they they started from scratch they uh, were were even worse than where Christian works no sorry no Christian that was just a joke uh, but. Uh, it was they basically had nothing. It was uh, just doing stuff, you know, uh, and deploying. You know, they didn't know what was going on on the other guy's computer and stuff like that. And um, and everything broke all the time. But when you when you get to that point, when you get to okay, to get the managers to to agree to spend some money on money on all this pro on building all these processes and all that, and you and the developers see, oh, we actually get some benefits from all this. We we the the, the value of of, uh, of us, uh, you know, validating each other's code and all that is is. Uh, uh, we we actually don't break stuff in the end. That's it's it's so cool to see when 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 people you know when people actually uh, uh, succeed with these things. So so yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Um... Brilliant. And just before before we you know we move on to to the next guest questions, I'd like to thank you for that question, um, Emil. I think that it's great to see everybody's insights coming from different backgrounds. You know, we've had we've had Christian from a smaller company. Um, yourself, Diogo, from well, everybody in this in this meeting is in in Denmark. You're now based in Oxford, from a, a large Danish company. Um, so it's really cool to see Pauline yourself being a, a a consultant, working on a lot of different projects throughout your career. You've got a lot to add in different areas too. So it's a great question, and I think you guys have all built on the the point really well. Um, just to move on to the to the next question, I know we could speak about Emil's question all day, um, but Paulina, 
I believe you've got a, a, a good question surrounding DevOps and quality assurance yourself. So I'd love it if you could pose your question and give some context behind it for us. Sure. I would like to look into a bit different uh, side of it, as we can see on the market quite highly rising AI and machine learning. Uh, so I would like to hear how do you see these technologies influencing QR practices in DevOps, particularly in areas like test automation, anomaly detection, or predictive analysis? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think, yeah, you, you can say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I put in a, uh, I'll never ever code again without Copilot or CodeRisper or what, or what have you, uh, ever. It, it just makes everything so much more fun. Um, but there, there is a, there is a struggle with that, which is with um, people that don't want to 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 give in to these new technologies, and they still want to write their own code line by line. They still want to write their own tests, <laughs> test by test, and it's very challenging because I don't know I don't know how a developer wouldn't like this. But we 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 have Copilot in all our VS Code uh, instances. We have development environments for everyone. Uh, yeah, that's it. I think that's quite proactive because I see a lot of pushback that uh, companies or other customers are scared of using it because of privacy. Yeah, but, but we, 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 yeah, but we, we use uh, proprietary. I mean, we have the language model we're using uh, OpenAI uh, almost as everyone, but it's only trained. We have our own model, so it's only trained in our data, so it's closed. Even Copilot, we um, it's our own code server. So uh, nothing, nothing gets published, and on we use Zscaler for for getting control of our traffic. So even if you try to open ChatGPT uh, in your browsers in, in our machines, uh, you're going to be redirected to the chat to know all this uh, ChatGPT, and the same things for Copilot and VS Code and so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah. So, so so sorry, Pauline, would you go first? No, I just wanted to comment that that was my next point to actually how you can have, how you can try to convince people to change their mindset. But everyone thinks that right now only that is ChatGPT online version and there is nothing else that you can make it private. Yeah, so yeah, but that, we we actually see the same thing. So so when uh, I recently just started a a new huge project with one of our, our customers and. And they wanted to to build, yeah, basically what Jogos is, is, is build their own, you know, internal AI tools just to to speed up the process. We also in at, at where I work, we have our own, um, I don't know, our own. We have just we have just deployed the the Azure version of uh, of ChatGPT, uh, so so we have that, so we can use that instead. So we don't we are in control of the uh, of the data uh, because yeah, it's it's a bit. It's it's awesome to have all these amazing tools, but it's 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 even better when you can you know control the data and the flow of all of all that. But uh, but yeah, um, as a part of the big project, we actually uh, looking into uh, try to to do it for some uh, some uh, some testing. So we're taking you know screenshots of the website and and having uh, and uploading them to to the to the to the, yeah the the AI and then use those to to see if the you know pick is is this uh, aligned with the with what the requirements are describing and all that. So. It's a it's a bit of a longer project where they they hope to get something out of it, it's, uh, but uh, but that's what we're doing at the moment. That's pretty cool actually to to see how how you can use um, you know AI tools in in so you know different ways in 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 all these uh, both speeding up the development process but also sp- 
you're speeding up the QA process. So we don't have to wait until the QA testers has test time uh, to see if the site actually uh, has the right colors and works as intended and all that. We can have the AI taking screenshots and use the uh, property and stuff like that to to automate some of the the testing of the front end as well. So so yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. Amazing. Christian, I believe you had something to, to add on, on the previous point. Yeah. Um, so I am actually one of the people who are very hesitant uh, towards AI, uh, at least the, uh, the, last, the last language models. Um, so if you want to try to convince get me... This guy if, out if, get this guy out of here. Now, I, I am... So the, the Why are you hesitant? Um, the reason I'm hesitant is the what, at least to me, looks like the blind trust is that whatever chat GPT just spits out, you're like, oh, okay, that works, and you move on. Uh, well, at least that's how it seems to me that a lot of people are treating it without going in there with the critical mind of being like, oh, is that actually correct? Because I think if you, if you use the tools correctly with uh, yeah with critical with critical eyes on it, it can be a very powerful tool. But but using blind trust, I think I think that is a problem. But no, um, nobody, nobody uses. Uh, forgive me to interrupt. interrupt yeah, go ahead. I think nobody uses it with blind trust <laughs> because as I soon as not. you begin using it, no. I mean, as uh-huh. soon as you begin using it, I mean, you you use it because you need a, a functional uh, component, right? You need to add some chunk of functionality to, to your solution, so it needs to work, right? So whatever you, you whatever you're given, you always analyze it, and uh, it's not as if you say, "Build me an API." <laughs> and it just builds an API and it's done. It's not like that, right? It's like you you are writing your skeleton for your application, your layout, what have you, and then you need like you have like a a routine that you you can't be bothered to write it yourself. You write a high high and natural language description of what you want, and it generates it for you. And it's almost always like ninety nine percent correct. Uh, yeah. You need to try it. You need to try it. That, that's, that is fair enough. It's just like my own observations about at least the people I've seen use it. We're like, oh, okay, that's perfect. Let's just use that as it is and and hope for the best, I guess. Yeah. No, I think uh, it's only to have it as a good tool which you can come to work with critical mind. That's the same if you're know, looking for a resolution of your problem on a stack overflow. You have to be able to put it in your code as well and with a critical mind, okay, does it work? Is it good for me? And so on. And similar with AI. And one of the limitations that I see, if you, we need to be ensured that you at least train it on the latest data from uh, technologies which you are using. So you don't, it doesn't give you like bad answers uh, because it's outdated knowledge or they run the update. Yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, so yeah, I actually had the same discussion with one of our clients the a couple of weeks ago where they were asking, you know, um, do we trust this thing? How how can we, we, we they they really didn't you know want to use it? Why the as we said they didn't want to have the blind trust in in something uh, a, a tool basically. So I had a, a chat with them, but and we said okay, what what we usually do when we develop code, we it's kind of like writing about it. We know how to do it and all that, uh, but we, we and we look for look you know we see where we're going and all that, and we then yeah, and all the AI tools is kind of like uh, switching from a bike to a car, so. It's just it's a tool that helps you go faster, but you still have to look where you're going. It's not like we don't not yet at least have the self-driving car, so you can just uh, take your eyes off the road and have an app, and then um, so you still have to 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 yeah see where you're going, and you have to drive the car and steer in the correct uh, the the right direction. But it's just a tool that goes faster than the bike. So 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 that was that's what we we had a long chat about that. But what that's what the 
kind of like the metaphor we came up with was the bike and the car and uh, and where we were going with that. So I would even say, Christine, if I may, if you were in my team and if your VS Code didn't have the Copilot icon on, I would be asking, what the hell do you think you're doing? <laughs> Why are you not using Copilot? Who the hell do you think you are to be writing everything yourself? Uh, Kind of a joke, but at the same time, yeah, it's the same as the accountants were, you know, writing before everything on paper, and now you have programs which can calculate it for you <laughs> to make you more efficient. Yeah, uh, Pauline, I, I actually wanted to go back to the, your original question, which is how to, which I think it was how to uh, help companies uh, use these tools, and uh, we always go with POCs. For example, we are running one now with Stack Overflow, so we want to create an internal uh, Stack Overflow community for statistics for biology, but also for, for code. And not everybody is too happy with this. But then we learned um, what would the cost be. Like we're trying to create a user pool. We're having a chat with Stack Overflow. And typically, if you go to OpenAI or whatever is going to be the provider for your, for, your, for your models, they will always have like a salesperson who is very happy to help you create a small POC that you can prove value. And then almost, almost always, you're going to find someone in your organization who wants to go with it. Yeah. Exactly. Prove that you can, that it has a business value when people are more eager to start using it. But you also, at the same time, need to show them that it's secure. Yeah. Although, sorry, uh, sorry. sorry Diogo, go for it. Sorry, my bad. Jake. Although, like, the, the funny thing is that I think none, none of us here, or perhaps on you, Katrin, works in a tech company. So it's difficult for us to prove that. The, the value of, of having Copilot. I mean, we can say, yeah, we write better code, we write faster code. In the end, it's going to make a faster deliver, delivery. But we can't really prove it, can we? So it's difficult. Yeah, interesting stuff once again. And um, Paulina, your question has caused quite the divide in the in the group on that. I mean, we've got some conflict and opinions flying around, but it's great to see, I suppose. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate that. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a few people screaming at the at the screen at the screens now. People on Christian side, people on uh, just side. Christian was so pissed he left the corner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can assure he's still here. Speaking of Christian, um, let's go to your question. What have you got for us? Okay, so I want to preface this a bit with so. In the spirit of everything that needs to go faster, like faster development, faster deployment, as we all know, that is usually a, a big criteria for, for almost all companies. Um, it seems to me that QA and to that extent DevOps as well is seen as a bottleneck or something that takes a bit too long sometimes. Uh, because since, since when it lands on our desk, usually a task is done. It is basically done from a shareholder perspective. So, so why are we waiting releasing anything? And so my question is essentially, how do you guys handle all of the cares around um, around people trying to bypass the structure, the safety, and all of the, the established processes? You don't give them access. Oh, we just taste people. That's way easier. No. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Oh, my God. Two, two yeah. horrible answers. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, yeah, so that's it's a common case where, you know, people, especially some, you know, there's, you know, we, we all know the kind of you know, stubborn developer who also and the manager who says, okay, we don't have time for all this uh, beautiful nonsense that you guys are going you know, called the DevOps and QA and, Q and all that. Just get the uh, stuff out on the servers and hope you and so we, I'm sure it will run. But um, time and time again, we just you know when I have you know visited you know different companies, we'll, we had to have the discussion. Okay, well, how can we speed the QA and DevOps process, speed it up so we don't have to take so much time doing all these steps. 
and uh, ultimately just can just get rid of it. Uh, and I was saying, mm, sure you can, but uh, are you prepared to, to you know spend millions if stuff breaks in production? Um, are you prepared, you know, uh, to see uh, to have a you know an interesting you know a case with the GDPR where you mix up customer data and suddenly you have uh, sent all your the, the social security numbers to a Chinese uh, government or something like that. You know, it's it's uh, so when you have that discussion with those and say, I, uh, and say, are you prepared to take this risk um, and start, especially if you start taking uh, talking numbers. So okay, say uh, if you tell them, yeah, if we're down in like twenty five hours, it will cost you this much, and if you're down in in the in a week, it will cost this much. But if we do these kind of things to to uh, to make sure that what we're doing is actually working correctly. Then we can make sure that's, that 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 doesn't happen. I think it's also if people start seeing value that okay, we spend, for example, more time on uh, testing or uh, dev environment or pre-production, and then actually production goes smoothly, then people start to be happy. Okay, we catch all the errors beforehand, so it doesn't cost us to you know fixing bugs in production which uh, we could uh, which we fixed beforehand. So if the people, so one thing is to do it, and then show people value which it gives then people are much more eager to do it as well we, do, we don't actually we, actually we don't need to explain that much right i don't understand why developers sometimes see think that they need to explain themselves to other to, to managers or whatever like we're the we are the subject experts so we are the ones who, who say how how much time is needed right so if we say <laughs> we need time for the pipeline who are they to to, to criticize that. I, I think they criticize that also because we are kind of to blame the way that we put it. We say something like, we're, we're done with the application and we also have this DevOps pipeline here in the, in the side that you'd like to do it. And then they, they, they spot this, this, the language that you're using and they say, never mind, never mind that. But why don't we simply say, no, we're not done with the application yet. And, and we know that we, that we mean the CICD, but they don't have to know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and 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 I, I think sometimes it happens, you know, in different company. It, I guess that's a bit different when you you are uh, juggle because sometimes it's 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 due to cost. You know, people say, okay, we don't we don't want to spend the money and time implementing all these uh, because they don't see the value upfront, uh, and then you have to start taking the entire discussion with, okay, let's see if stuff breaks down. How much would it cost you? And then you start doing all the numbers on the whiteboard, and then suddenly uh, after. An entire week locked, uh, locked in a in a in a in a conference room. They they start to see the light and and say, okay, so so when we, if we do this, we can actually ensure that. And then and on the other side, then they will be be happy for it and see, okay, it's a part of the process, and that's how you develop software to to make sure that we what we do is actually you know it works and it's built correctly and all that. So yeah, I think people need to get to know it a bit and see the value in it. Then they're more eager to do it. Uh, what what I did with my current manager was, um, all right. So we're going as a part of Agile. We're going to have we're going to agree upon that the first delivery is going to be a POC, but there's not going to be any pipelines. There's not, there's not going to be any automation. Everything is going to be deployed by me on a console. No code. But then the thing is, then we need iterations for architecture for automating or such and such. So what exists? What I managed to do is. If you want to call, if you if you want to rebrand a POC as production ready, <laughs> it'll oh, yeah, be yeah. on you. It'll be on you, yeah. and I can sleep. I can sleep. You know, but it it'll be on you. 
but if you really something something proper, you need to do what I say. And and in this case, I was so happy to to to, to hear that. Yeah, okay, let's do that. But um, so what I'm saying is, <clears throat> agile agile offers us this uh, iteration um, framework, right? So yeah, exactly. if if we say all right, this is just a beauty. Yeah, then we kind of hands hands clean. I think. Yeah, I think it depends also how mature is solution or like how uh, how much take depth you have on a particular project and a customer. So, it I would say go with approach. It depends and know your audience. Yeah, and sometimes you know you get into up at and and so so yeah, definitely we. Um, I'm sorry, we uh, we. Um, so, so we've done that exact same thing. Tiago just saying, okay, it's your responsibility. Just tell that to the to the manager, and then say, okay, we will go home. It's your for now. We have pressed the button. Goodbye, and uh, it's your phone number, which is going to show up on the, on the website when it says it down. So, uh, so good luck. And we actually done that because he was so stubborn, and so and and we were everybody in the team knew except for for the guy who uh, yeah was in charge of everything. Um, and everybody knew we, this wasn't ready. We were not ready. This was this was we were we were not ready to do this. We needed all the testing and the quality assurance of 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 the entire product. But he, he insisted that we 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 um, that we we put it online. And um, yeah, we said okay, fair enough. We we'll we'll deploy it. We'll go home. And we'll sure make sure that your phone number number shows up. And he was uh, so stubborn. He said he agreed. And what happened? Everything went down two after we, uh, two hours after we left work. Uh, so, um, yeah, and he, yeah, I, as far as I know, he got a few, a few calls from, uh, from his managers. So, um, that was a bit funny thing, but, uh, and next day he was very, you know, cooperative. He, he definitely wanted to, to make sure that, that we can, we try to do this correctly. So, um, yeah, false people in, in a kind of, you know, if they really didn't, don't want to listen, this is, these are the yeah. tools that we have. We we have yet an, another way, which is so we we're, we're talking about agile, right, with the POC yeah. thing, but we also have microservices. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. for example, uh, even when we're in a, in a POC phase, I mean, we are assuming, of course, everyone here is a proper developer. So you will have developed your own components over time, right, that you can use in in your new projects. And w w what am I meaning here? So if you have a you have a project, then you have a component that you can you you fetch it from Docker. Docker Hub, a component that's going to initialize documentation in your, in your, in your project. Uh, you have CDK stacks that you have developed already that contain like modules of an architecture that you can just reuse. Uh, for example, in this architecture review that I was having just before, we were going like trying to think what would be the, the, the CDK stacks for the app. But then we were trying to add new stacks for observability, which by the way, Jake, are my, next, my, my question. Uh, observability, fault recovery, uh, traceability, uh, stuff like that. And w when we think of an app, there's like a bunch of things that we have done countersums before. And if only we have automated them in the beginning, then we have them available for, for this new project. So in theory, <laughs> it's going to make us deliver uh, every time we do a POC, it's going to be a better POC necessarily if we are good developers, if we are good developers. Good stuff. And Christian? Great questions, sparked a really nice back and forth conversation between these guys here. Um, do you have anything to add on that before we move on? Uh, not necessarily. Um, the, the, the way we handle things now and uh, where I work is that 
our customers know that things might break and that we are in constant development. So management has decided that this is a risk we are willing to take, um, which also means that the, the way we handle things right now is that QA is essentially an optional step that the developers themselves can choose whether or not to go through or not. Um, which is a very interesting way of, of taking that. Um, but luckily, we, we do have like a few people who is like, oh, we actually do see the benefit of, of doing QA, so we will continue to do so. Um, but it's a very interesting thing to, to hire QA people and say, nah, 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 if you don't want them, you don't need it. Like, you don't have to. Um, but yeah. Other than that, I, I that's essentially the the background for my question. Okay, perfect, good stuff. And Diogo, you mentioned something to do with observability. Um, be sure to elaborate on that. Give some context behind your question, and let the guys know. Yeah, just before I start, just I'm not finished commenting on Polina's <laughs> remark. Go um, for it. Um, I just think, guys, we are always trying to blame companies and managers and stuff like that. But, but in reality, it really is our responsibility and nobody else's. There is this wonderful book called The Clean Coder or Clean Code. Or both, both of these books exist, and one of them is about principles that, that a software engineer should, should, should follow. And if you find yourself being a software engineer who doesn't automate things, who doesn't have your own components, who doesn't document, who doesn't do this and that, it's nobody's fault but your own that you don't have them. And all of these things, they will just make it easier for you to automate in the future. So I suppose we're the ones to blame. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, so the, anyone wants to comment on this or can, can I go yes, on to the question? I want to yeah. comment. I agree, take responsibility, but you cannot take responsibility for your whole environment. You can take responsibility for what you are doing and what you can influence on. Yeah, and, and sorry to, to to go on, but um, but yeah, I think Paulina, I would, we have kind of like the same background where we do a lot of consultancy work. So, and sometimes when you end up in, in companies where you know it's the manager just of a project is not it's not often technical, uh, and then they don't understand why, and then they barely know how they may, maybe the only education they have they have been on a scrum master course, and and otherwise they're educated in you know building roles or something like that. And then you're suddenly in the charge of a software project, and the, then you put on a a week, one week crash course in how to do Scrum and Agile and all that, uh, and then then they expect, and then they, they they see it on paper, and then their managers go and say, hey, you, you need to meet these deadlines, uh, and they 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 stress, and then they go and tell the developers, okay, whatever you can do, you just have to you know get to the end goal now. We, we don't have time to to all this right. Whatever code you can do, do as fast as possible. Just make it look like uh, it works at least, uh, and then yeah, we end up in in situations where we we where people don't have the yeah the, the process in in places and all that, and and then five ten years down the line, everything is still is a really nasty broken stuff, and then yeah, they hire outside people to come and help them. Maybe they have changed managers a few times, and then uh, and nobody's you know wants to take the responsibility of fixing it because. Now it kind of works, you know. It's in production. We don't want it to to touch anything that's even even the, the deployment process because it works at the moment. So, so yeah, it's it's yeah. That's how also, we. You know, 
Correct. Just adding to you, like also in consulting, sometimes very often you have fixed number of hours which you can use. You don't always have unlimited time which you can spend on a particular project. So, for example, you have a month or two months of work and that certain scope which is agreed with the customer which you can do within this time. So you cannot refactor everything and you cannot fix everything. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, that's that's also a huge factor. So you have to to reach the de this deadline, um, and it's not because we, we uh, I know everybody here uh, agree agrees that the, the DevOps and QA processes is the most one of the most pa important parts of the, job, of the software development process. But uh, yeah, I think we you know when you see the the people who doesn't get it. Um, they, they take a bit of time, you know, to to convince them, uh, and it's not like it's not their fault. It's just because they often get, uh, you know, people above those guys uh, push those guys, and they may, maybe not have the you know correct amount of knowledge uh, of how to run a project, a software project, and all that. So that's yeah, it's it often you know lands up sometimes between a couple of shares and stuff, and people forget about it, and then uh, because everybody's just okay, we have to reach the end goal now faster and. Then people, all, all the you know the people who built the first version are leaving because they hate the, the development process, and then you know get they get new people in, and and those they maybe is some if the people directly from from uh, from school they don't want to you know question the process, and then yeah, as I said, five ten years down the line, it's 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 not the beautiful the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. So. Uh, yeah, I said you just wanted to touch on what Paulina said about controlling, uh, not necessarily being able to control the environment. I mean, that there's a way we can do that, and that is essentially just locking everyone out of actually being able to release anything or do anything without it going through the proper steps. Um, but I think that is also just, uh, it shows an abuse of power that should not necessarily be needed. Like, ideally, we would all be on, in the, on the same page on, on rega in regards of how we do things, but as we all know, it's not necessarily the truth. The truth always, at least. Yeah, it's a lot about mindset, I think. You need to have a proper mindset to do stuff in a certain way and agree that we all work towards one goal, not against each other. Because very often what I see is sometimes it's also like, okay, we, we're blocking developers with something or we're failing pipeline, uh, but it's not because I don't want their code to get promoted. It's because I want quality code to get promoted. Right. I think we can all agree we need uh, those uh, policies for, for branching. Uh, Jake, I know you are thinking these guys are still not going to the, to the question. So the question is, guys, um, how are we doing on uh, observability, observability, on monitoring, on billing? You know, m managing costs. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, as yeah, we do a lot of you know cloud stuff. Uh, it's you know the cost aspect and monitoring is, is one of the most uh, you know, especially the cost part is, is one of the uh, is, is most one of the most important parts of, of all this. Uh, and then of course we have to do the entire monitoring. So, but yeah, we have to build everything you know using um, either DevOps, uh, sorry, uh, either um, Bicep or Terraform. And then, uh, then we build alerts and all that into the process. So when, when everything, let's say, if the monitoring uh, with an alert uh, is triggered uh, in Azure, then we get automatically get often get a you know a, a bug uh, created in in DevOps, and then the people you know get get an email and all that to to get know to know yeah this is something is wrong. Um, and then yeah, so that's but that's how really do you, what we... 
how do you keep a balance between what is important to notify people? Because if you're going to get get 100 notifications every day, no one's going to look for it. So you need to, you know, if you get one or two or five, but someone, people going to look for it. But yeah. what is important? How do you specify what is important, what is not? Also, so you we, cannot, if you monitor everything, cost got to skyrocket. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, the balance between logging everything and, and, and logging the right amount. So we... That's that's you know it's we definitely just have to know you know know the product so uh, know what you're building so we build uh, you know all the different queries and all that spe- spe- specialized to say okay if we reach this point in let's say this point in the code then a special alert is triggered that then we definitely need to call somebody and if everything just stops if there's no response if, if the site is down for uh, like say ten minutes that it's not responding then send an alert so it's it's kind of like those processes not like we we just doesn't you know Every time there's an except we have an exception, we um, we, we we call the, the CEO of the company. That's not like that. It's more like um, you know building the, the correct you know balancing of the rules, so the monitoring rules into to so say when we hit certain cases, we need to alert people. Uh, and that's also where uh, you know Azure has a you know bit of it's not like it's not like OpenAI's um, models, but it still has some you know uh, the um, some advisory based on some machine learning that uh, can help you in, in some certain cases yep. saying this is now we are yeah please take a look at this my friend you know in, in <laughs> huge problems so um... yeah i agree i think finding balance is a key in it like what is imp- and also prioritization what is a key what is not what's important what's not and uh, you cannot fix everything at once also no, exactly. So exactly. putting thresholds in a correct way—that's also yeah, definitely. That's I never really had had or saw a mature uh, observability framework, um, or at least with, with some metrics that were um, actually meaningful. And um, another thing of <laughs> joining uh, here was that there was an alignment in that it's just as important to develop something as it is to prove the tangible value of it to the business. So. Like think from an early stage, how the hell can you say that your application is actually uh, helping somebody uh, and incorporating that into development of the app? And essentially, like if you have um, CloudWatch or if if you have all, all this logging, and then you think already how to query those in a in a metric that makes sense, then I, I suppose it's going to make it easy for us to ask for more time because we are from the beginning, from an early stage, proving that it's being accessed by these and those users, the very same user keeps doing this or that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's similar to you. I never, I never saw this. I hope I'm going to get time to the, to do this. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. cool. Cool when it works because, yeah, yeah and, and part of we do, you know, a lot of, you know, managers for, for different companies doesn't work, want to take that kind of, you know, risk on their own hands. So we basically do, do have like, you know the classic, you know, uh, dashboards on the walls, monitoring setup, where we, and and when we have some emails and 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 different kind of notifications on whatever, you know, we, we hit again certain thresholds for for stuff, then we we get we, we get alerted, and then we usually just if we if we can fix it, we'll fix it, or if if there's something in you know a customer that they have changed something in the code that start breaking breaking stuff. Let's say it's that they for, uh, messed up the line of code, so it's starts deleting you know everything in the database. Then we we get an alert if, if a large amount of data is deleted at once. Then we get alerted, and then we'll call up and say, "Hey, you, uh, you're you're deleting all this. Uh, you know, you just deleted a terabyte of data. Was that by intent?" And then usually they say, "No. We, what what happened?" And then we say, uh, 
that's a good question. Your, your code started deleting a lot of data. And then uh, they panic, and then we say, okay, let's just restore it. And then, yeah, because we also, you know, uh, another part of this is having the great backups and, and, and disaster recovery strategies just to make sure that you can get back from a in, a potential disaster. Um, so, um, so yeah. But uh, but it's, it's fun when it works. Yeah, yeah, I think all stuff connects, so you have to be able to have observability, logging, alerting, disaster recovery, backup, uh, set in a proper way to be able to make it work. Yeah, I feel like uh, my company, we, we are a bit behind on all of those things. Um, we, we basically have none uh, as it is right now. And that's it's affecting us in, in, in a lot of ways that we, we do not know. If, if things break in production, we do not know. Uh, there's no way for us to tell other, other than people who are actually using our platform is calling and say, hey, this doesn't work right now. And then we, we usually take a look at it at that point. But it's way too late in the chain for us to know. And the same same goes with, like, I actually had a meeting with our product owners um, a few months back. And hopefully next year, at some point, uh, we will actually start to put in some traceability for our features as well. So we can actually know, like, are these features being used? Is it worth uh, spend the time and effort to fix something? that is broken in a feature that's not used. And hopefully that will provide some uh, some value for, for the internal teams, at least. Not necessarily for the customers, because there are always going to be customers who want oh, this thing that I'm using uh, to work. But if there are only 10 people out of a million that are using it, uh, it's probably not as high on their priority list at the moment. Yeah, it's it's just because you're in uh, a newer company. That's that's uh, I have seen. You know, it's not a new story. Christian, uh, just don't worry. Uh, when you get a get a uh, get you know a couple of millions running through every month, then uh, people starting you know asking for for the 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 quality assurance part of all this and make so okay because then you have like all these elder. It's usually you know in every business it's it's money who uh, which drives the the yeah everything. So. So when you start asking, can you can you afford to lose all the, lose the, you know a couple of days of of uh, of, um, of running? But that, and then they usually say no, and then everything starts going. So it's just, it, I've seen your story, you know, quite some times, a lot of times before, just because you're a newer company, and and you know, the first thing about starting up a company, you're actually starting. You know, the, the most important part, uh, part, most important part is to get the product out of the world, right? So because if you don't have a product you don't start you know earning any money so so yeah and all these time uh, tools and and processes and all that they will uh, you know eventually get uh, get in usually if you if you can do it early in the process get all these tools to build uh, on you know get everything all the tools and processes uh, you know nailed down early in the development life cycle of a, a product of a company is way is usually way easier down the line because if you've been been running for ten years and nobody has looked at it, then you are you're kind of like you. There's a lot of work, you know, backlog of, of going through all the existing parts. But it's it's you. It's it's not not a new thing. It's it's just how you know often startup companies work. The the trigger part is to to realize when uh, to get jump on the DevOps security train at the right moment. Uh, because you still have to you know you get the you need to release the product, but you also make needs at some point you need me to. Make sure that the when people are starting, you know, 
they need the product in their everyday, then you need to make sure that the product works. They, they can't, you know, expect it to be down at any time. So, um, so yeah. I think you should have DevOps and QA from a start, but it's going to look different in a startup, oh, yeah. different at the lab and different on an enterprise. So it depends how mature you are and, uh, you know, stuff changes. Like even with uh, Terraform, you get everything in one repo and you get modules and so on. So you, you when, once you're getting more mature and you grow, some process is going to change. So I think start from the beginning, but get the journey, see what are your needs and what should you focus on the beginning. You cannot do everything as well. Amazing. And that question was posed by Diogo, who's had to jump off the the, the podcast with us now, but I think there's not much left to add on that point anyway. I think we've gone through it quite comprehensively. Um, unless anybody else has anything to, to quickly throw at us, I'm happy to, to wrap things up there. What do you guys think? Well, perfect. Well, brilliant. Thanks again, guys, today. I think we've had some really insightful discussions. I've really enjoyed all the questions. And it's great to see how you use real-world examples from different sizes of companies and different experiences uh, all over the place as well. So, yeah, really enjoyed that one. Just before we end the podcast, I'd like to say once again, thank you so much to all the guests sharing thoughts. They've been Paulina, Christian, Emil, and Diogo. Just as a note as well, if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I'm Jake Stamp. You can find me on LinkedIn or email me at jake.stamp at evolution-nordics.com. Thanks again to all of our guests. Thanks for listening.